Today's scripture comes from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon, Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon and Peter said to them, I'm going fishing, they said to him. We will go with you. They went out and got onto a boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Hunter. I love having the, the doors open to the church. And um, so far, nothing has come through, which is, which is really good. Like a bee or a wasp or a bird. Um, has a bird ever been in this sanctuary? Does anyone, any stories of that? Yeah, I, so that has happened before. Wow. I want, now, did it happen during a service? It did? Wow, that's something to preach on, isn't it? That'll be kind of cool to see. That'll go viral. <laughs> something like that. But it is nice. It's nice to have nature um, in, in the church. And I love it because when door, the doors are open to the church, it's, the, it's invitational, right? And people can hear what's going on and they're curious to hear what's going on um, in the church. So I, I think that's, you know, when we can, we should have the doors open. Well, last week, the church as a whole celebrated the Easter event and we joined in that celebration through worship, and it, it was great. It, we had a wonderful service, and I, I, I think I can speak for many when I say that Easter is the celebration event of the year, and then there is Christmas, um, the other great Christian event that we celebrate, and most of us look forward to these two worship services, right? Those are the ones, those are the mountaintop worship services of the year, and I believe it's safe to say that no one expects the Sunday after either Christmas or Easter to have the same excitement. There you go, Joyce. See, <laughs> um, I was speaking to Joyce at the beginning of the service, and we were talking about this. I said, stop it, stop it, you're preaching my sermon, <laughs> you know. Um, but we were talking about how, you know, then there's the Easter event and the Christmas event, and then a week after, it just, there's a lull. All right, and that really, well, I shouldn't say a lull, because I believe everyone here right now is excited for the worship service. It just, it just things just drop off a little bit the week after that, and that, that really is just a fact. Um, you know, even the day after, at least for me as a pastor, I'm exhausted um, after both Christmas and Easter. Uh, I was tired this, this past Monday, but there was still work to do, and the, from the moment I got in, it, it just, it was nonstop. And as, as I got back to life, the excitement, that, that excitement started to wear off and I was back to my everyday life. And I do, I do enjoy my everyday life here at St. John. I think it's just wonderful. But does that sound familiar? The excitement of Easter, did it wear off a little bit? Most likely your Monday looked a lot like many other Mondays that you had and that you have. And so did Tuesday, look like the other Tuesdays, and so did Wednesday, and so on, and so on. The pattern of life, it does not stop. And we are all in our certain patterns, right? And, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, 
I love the way we worship here on, on Sunday. It's diverse. It's different every single week. Something is always going to happen here. And, you know, we do it deliberately. I think, um, you know, we're always looking. We're not necessarily looking like what's going to happen in worship this week, but we do know it's not going to be the same. And I think that is a wonderful thing um, that we don't fall into the pattern of worship, all right? We have a pattern of life. We come here every Sunday, but we don't fall into that pattern. We're on, we're on autopilot, and we just kind of go through the, the, the motions of worship. When you find yourself on autopilot during worship, that's not a good thing, all right? Um, because, uh, you know, after that, it, be, it can become lifeless. And I do believe that when, you know, we have these patterns, we're like, we're just going to stick to this right here, and that's just the way we do worship here. no. No, we need to worship God with everything that we got every single Sunday. And it should be diverse. And we should go with the Spirit during the service. We have, we have an outline, let's just say. But we can feel free to break from that outline, okay? We really can. And I love that. And we really do show that here at St. John with the worship. But we have to, you know, understand that there is this propensity to fall into the mundane task of every life. Back to Monday, back to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's that word mundane. And you'd be surprised to know that I think mundane is good. Okay? It really is because that's where things happen in the everyday life. So what do I mean by mundane? Well, mundane in the sense that I'm referring to it means ordinary. It means routine, no surprises without any great excitement going on. It's the expected life. You know what's going to happen during the day. Believe it or not, that's a good thing, that we have that typical pattern of life. Now, notice with my definition, I didn't say miserable or drawn out or boring or drab. I didn't say that. All right? A person can be happy and comfortable in the mundane or sad in the mundane. You can be both, you know, both. I've experienced both, and, and chances are you have too. And what I'm getting at here is the idea of mundane Christianity. Mundane Christianity, the ministry of the mundane within Christianity. In other words, Christianity without the epic mountaintop adventures. I'm talking about Christianity a week after the Christmas and Easter celebrations when things settle down because those are only two days out of the year there's a lot of days in the year it doesn't just come down to two so what about the rest what about the rest i want you to consider this and this is not going to come to you know to a big surprise here the bible gives what i consider to be fantastical accounts that simply do not happen every day you ever consider that and when you read it, when you read the Gospels, you get the sense, wow, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Okay, that's pretty much a three-year ministry compiled into, like, paragraphs right there. Okay, these, chances are these events didn't just happen one thing after another. The parting of the waters of the Red Sea do not happen every single day. Nor, do, nor does Moses going up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments happen every single day. King David does not slay the giant named Goliath every single day. A virgin does not give birth to a savior every single day. Nor does Jesus walk on water or heal a leper or cast out a demon or raise someone from the dead, at least not in my everyday world. That doesn't sound like Monday to me. All right? 
That is not an everyday event. Now, in some places that may be true. And I'm not, I'm not going to deny that, you know, while well, we see miracles here every, every single day. We see these things happen. They're on the lookout, lookout, right? There's a sense. But I'm pretty sure that the Easter event of resurrection certainly does not happen in the humdrum, everyday pattern of life. So yes, the Bible contains these amazing accounts, and they are awesome. But these stories are not there so that you will go chasing after the highs of Christianity. A lot of times people, um, they come into Christianity and they're saved and it is a wonderful mountaintop experience, right? And then they, you know, we're, you know, they try to maintain that. That's a heavy pace, you know, it's like hopping on the treadmill, just running as fast as you can and you've never run before. So they come into Christianity expecting these highs and, you know, one after another after another. But what happens when it levels off and goes into the mundane? We have to teach each other and, uh, you know, and new Christians how to live Christianity every single day in ordinary life. So, you know, these, these stories that you read about in the, in the um, Bible are not there, so you go chasing after the highs of Christianity, living life one great mountaintop experience, you know, after another. Rather, these stories are there to strengthen and encourage you for every, the everyday pattern of life. They are there to strengthen your faith, everything about you, the everyday pattern of life in mundane Christianity. Look at it that way, because that's where we live, in everyday life. Today's Scripture passage occurs after the first Easter event when Jesus was resurrected. And when you read it, it does give the sense that things have calmed down a little bit, as, as much as they could since the Easter event, since the day of the empty tomb. And it places them back in the region of Galilee. I wonder what that person just said. I, I didn't get that outside the church. It didn't sound like English to me. But, you know, so they're around the, the Sea of Galilee, here and in this in the scripture it says uh, the disciples were by the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same word for Galilee, okay? And so Peter and the others decide to go fishing, which makes sense because that's what they knew before Jesus. That's who they were, fishermen. And we have to be very careful here when we're reading the text because um, you know, and I've heard this before that they were returning to their old way of life. Now they were not returning to their old way of life. Just note that. They were at, you know, they were at heart fishermen, and so they were waiting in Galilee for Jesus to show up. Um, you know, they were told to go to Galilee and wait for Jesus to show up. And while they were there, they were around the water, and most likely they're like, you know what? We used to be fishermen. You remember that? You know, you know it'd be really cool? Peter's saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fishing right now. That's no different than you being somewhere and like, man, I used to be here. I'm going to go get, you know, I, I, I'm going to go eat at that favorite restaurant, you know, while I'm here. And then the friend said, I'm going to join you. So in this situation here, you have Peter saying, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. We have, you know, so much, you know, we spent so much time on this lake. Let's go fishing. And the other disciples were with him. He goes, okay, that sounds cool. We'll do it too. That's what you see here happening in the scripture. All right. So that's really important to understand. And they were waiting for Jesus to show up. And then the text tells us that, so they went fishing and that night, they caught no fish. They caught no fish. 
Imagine how excited they were to go fishing and then they caught no fish. Now to me, that doesn't sound like an exciting night of fishing. It doesn't sound like a mountaintop, you know, a mountaintop Christian experience to me, does it? Especially when you're, you know, dragging nets and stuff. To me, this sounds quite ordinary. It sounds mundane. And yet, and yet, days before they witnessed the most profound moment in all of human history, Jesus the Christ rose from the dead and appeared to them. Their lives were certainly changed forever, wouldn't you say? The joy they must have felt. The scripture was fulfilled in Jesus. We are saved. Life is good. It is worth living. And one would expect life now to be perfect because they are on the right side of the cross. We are on this side of resurrection. Life is going to be good now. It's going to be awesome. Let's go fishing. Right? And when they did, guess what happens? All right? They caught no fish. Let that sink in for a second, all right? Now, if you keep on reading, Jesus does show up, and of course, another mountaintop experience happens, but you can't ignore the fact that they just had a long and trying evening throwing their nets into the water, expecting to catch some fish, only to pull the net back into the boat and see nothing, one net after another after another. That does not sound like fun. And I imagine that they weren't too surprised by the empty nets. Why do I say that? Why weren't they too surprised by the empty nets? Well, they were fishermen. That was just part of life. That's part of the life. Sometimes their nets were going to be empty, but that didn't keep them from throwing in the next net. You throw in the next net, and you hope for a better outcome. You want to picture that night, yeah, it's probably a little frustrating. Maybe they lost their touch, right? It's been a while since they've been fishing, but it didn't stop them from throwing in the next net and hoping for a better outcome. And so here we are today, only one week after last week's Easter celebration, where we remembered the most profound act in all of human history. And since then, Every single one of us has gone back to their everyday lives. In a sense, we are tossing our nets into the water every single day. And with the coming of each day, we toss another net into the water and hope for a good outcome, don't we? What am I going to do today? I'm going to toss in another net. Some days are better than others. Toss in that net. Hope for a good outcome. Some days are high, tossed in the net. Some days are low, I'm going to toss in that net. Some days are bright and some, some days are not. That's when you pull the net in and there's nothing in it, right? You toss in another net. But regardless of the day, understand this. You, you are called to put on the clothing of Christianity every day, no matter what. Every single day you toss in the net, no matter what the outcome is, Toss it in with the clothing of Christianity on. You are to put on the clothing of righteousness when you toss your net, and compassion, and wise understanding, and humility, and patience, and love as you toss in that net every single day. And you are to wear it as best as you can. You really are. With a heart transformed by God every single day, no matter what. But why? 
Why is that important? What's the big deal? I'm already in the door of heaven because I confessed my sins and I believe in Jesus. I'm good to go. What's the big deal? Listen, if you're trying to just get into the door of heaven, you, you, you have a misunderstanding of Christianity. All right? The agenda is not getting you in the door. Okay? The agenda is relationship and a life lived in Christianity. That is what Jesus Christ is inviting you into. But again, why is it important? Well, one, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, then, then you should be actively involved in growing in Christ. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is a learner, a student, so to speak. And you learn from who? Jesus the Christ. And you learn Jesus the Christ in the Gospels and in a fellowship. Something about being a disciple. Disciples and students tend to take tests, right? Now, right? So what kind of disciple are we? What kind of disciple are you? If Jesus were to give you the test, are you going to pass the test or not? It's a test. How much do you know Jesus? What is your relationship with Jesus? If Jesus says, hey, remember, it's written in the Gospels, are you going to go where? I never heard that. It's written. What kind of disciple are you? Are you growing closer to God in your walk? Would you say that your character is pleasing to Christ? In your everyday mundane Christianity, are you praying? Are you reading and meditating on scripture? Are you becoming more loving and compassionate? Those are really important questions. While you may feel like the same person today as you were yesterday, believe it or not, you are changing right now. In fact, you are changing to some degree. You are changing. My children, Dylan and Cole, um, they're in their first year of college right now, and they're almost done with their first year, and I have to say it's amazing that they're in college. <laughs> All right? And, you know, this is when you ask why. <laughs> why are you saying that? That sounds bad. Well, you know, it's because all growing up from age to 4 to 18, Evelyn and I would ask them both, um, you know, just all the time, what have you learned today in school? And the answer was always, why? You know the answer, nothing. <laughs> I didn't learn a thing today. So we would continue to ask this, age four, what did you learn today? Nothing. Age five, nothing. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Age 11, didn't learn a thing. Age 13, 14, 15, 16, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> okay. But you know, they're abducted or something like that. But still, they learned nothing. What did you learn today? Nothing. All right. Well, that's interesting. Because now they're in college, so all that nothing must have amounted to something, right? At the very least, you know, they grew enough and matured enough to get into college. So nothing adds up to something eventually, even if you don't know what's going on. Isn't that amazing? I want to learn a lot on nothing. I want to be involved in that process. The kind of change didn't happen to them overnight. It happened over time through the mundane. You are, in fact, changing, and some of it happens without you being unaware. So you might as well be an active participant in the change God desires for you. Don't be inactive. Be active. It's a mundane change that typically doesn't happen overnight. So with that in mind, what kind of disciple are you? I have to ask that again. Reason number two, it's important to put on the clothing of Christianity and wear it well every day for the sake of others and for the sake of the kingdom. 
Believe it or not, you have the ability to influence everyone around you by just being you. That's power. That makes you important. You are an influence. You can make someone's day better by showing them love and kindness, love and kindness, or you can do otherwise. Choice is yours, but choose wisely, right? Because otherwise doesn't often look good. You can be love, loving, you can be kind, you can be patient, you can be a good listener in those manners, or you can just plain, you know, to put it plain, plainly, you can be a jerk. They both have influence. They really do. Choose wisely because you do have influence whether you acknowledge it or not. Simply put, everything you say and do has a consequence in the world around you. Ask yourself this, do you have a joyful influence, a joyful spirit, or do you have a complaining and grumbling one? Which one? Seriously, ask yourself that. Or try this one, okay? Better yet, ask others who you are. Ask others who you are. What would they say about you, about your character? Because if I ask myself that, I'm going to lie to myself. To, to me, I am a certain way. I am patient, but it might not be how others view me. So ask others. You know, ask yourself and ask others. Would they say you are a joyful presence or a complaining one? <laughs> Lastly, I want to talk about what mundane Christianity looks like in daily life of the church. And as a reminder, what I mean by mundane are the ordinary things that happen every day. These are the things that are required to make things work, people. Earlier this week, I was speaking to someone, and they mentioned the idea of shadow Christian, Christians, shadow Christians. And shadow Christians are those who work in the background to get things done, and these things often go unnoticed. Shadow Christians. They're the ones that make sure the church building looks beautiful for worship service. Shadow Christians. Last week, a shadow Christian adorned the church with Easter lilies. <coughs> Think about that. Shadow Christians right here, these flowers. Every week, a shadow Christian makes sure that there are people to read scripture. There are lights on in the church. They just don't happen Shadow Christians make that possible, and they do it with joy. There are a lot of things going on in the shadows of the church that are not glamorous, but they are necessary. Look at the lawn. We, we have a lawn that doesn't appear to grow, but stays green. That's amazing. Now, a shadow Christian takes care of that. Shadow Christianity. And they do it with joy and not complaining. And so there's a lot of things that happen in the shadows of the church that are not glamorous, but we have to recognize and be thankful for these shadow Christians, but also know, know this. There are a lot of things in the, that happen in the shadows of a church that, you know, where there's complaining and grumbling going on. That's not the way it's done. When you complain and you grumble and you work within a church environment and everyone hears that, do you think that is pleasing to God? No, not at all. And oftentimes the complaining and grumbling is the thing that we hear and it steps all over, you know, the shadow Christians, the true shadow Christians. So we have to be very careful how we, you know, go about doing the work within the shadows of a church. And that is what mundane Christianity comes down to, humble servanthood to God and to others. And I will say, 
humble, joyful servanthood to God and others, not a complaining, grumbling spirit. Because that actually takes those who are serving with joy, grabs them by the ankles, and pulls them down. Don't be a complainer, don't be a grumbler, be a joyful Christian. I think that's just a wonderful thing. We should all strive for that. Humble, joyful servanthood to God and to others. Servants who do things without complaining or grumbling, but serve with love and joy both in and out of the shadows. Let that sink in for a second. God wants you serving with a joyful and loving heart and not one that grumbles and complains. So yes, Christianity does contain mountaintop experiences, but that's not what it's all about. For the most part, Christianity happens in the mundane, everyday life, and oftentimes it happens in the shadows of humble, joyful servitude to God and to each other. Live into your Christianity every single day and walk in love and righteousness of an awesome God as you toss that net into the water every day. God bless all of you all. God bless you all. Yeah, I said that right the second time. <laughs> all right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen.